Let's go to Matthew in chapter 28 this morning. Matthew in chapter 28 in our Bibles. And David read that so wonderfully a little bit ago to us. And Matthew chapter 28. The Bible tells us that there is a commission here. This is the great commission. And in verse 19 he says, Go ye therefore, he says, and teach all nations. Now, on the back wall of our church, you see a little sign. I want you to just turn back there and see it. It says, go ye into, what does it say? Tell me the last phrase. All the world. All the world. Now, I can't go to all the world. Can you go to all the world? Some of you would not like to go live in Uganda, Africa. I prefer to not live there, okay? I've been to Uganda, but I do not prefer to live there. Uh, it's not my favorite uh, location in the world to live. I've been to Central America. I was, in some ways, I, I enjoyed it, but I'll tell you, there were sometimes I was scared for my life in some of those places that we went. In Peru, some scary, scary places, uh, some rough places. And I remember one night, uh, a single guy that was there, and you know, there was two or three other gentlemen that were in their 40s that were with me on that trip. And then there were, I was the 17-year-old along on the trip. So I was the energetic kid, you know. And I just, I remember one night, I wandered out of the compound and wandered down the streets. And uh, probably something I should have not done, but it was a very scary place. And our missionaries serve God around the world and sometimes in very different places. And I want to share with you first just an exciting thing uh, as we begin the message of how, we, how our missions family, what they're doing around the world. And um, I want to just introduce to you our Calvary missions family and how they're fulfilling the Great Commission. Because it's exciting. Our church has had the privilege and we've been able to, to really see God do these things. And I'm going to share with you a little bit about what God's been doing around the world. And you've had a part in it. And so it's exciting. Aren't it exciting when you get to have a part in something from a distance? And uh, you've had a part in this from a distance. This is where all of our missionaries are serving around the world. Currently, we're supporting 10 of them. On the back wall, we have additional families that we are praying for that are um, added to the wall, but we're currently not supporting them. So currently, we have 10 families. Now, you'll notice there's a little bit of a concentration, right? You got uh, in Europe, we have three families serving right there. And uh, we're down in Central America, and then we've got the one in Aruba, the shields there. I tried my best to put the stars in the right location, okay? Now, you geography whizzes, you might say, Pastor Dan, let's off just a little bit. It might be, okay? Now, Uganda, we got right above uh, the lake, the water there. You got Uganda, and then you have Tanzania, where the, uh, where the um, Harmons have been serving. And then over here, we have the Koak family in Korea, South Korea. And so we have missionaries serving all around the world. Our church has had the privilege over the years. Uh, there was a family that we were supporting also here in Australia. Uh, they now have, have been able to self-sustain. And so they, uh, they this year wrote us and said that they were able to be self-sustaining. So that's a wonderful thing. Right now, we currently don't support anyone in South America. Now, sometimes a church in their missions program will try to uh, strategically be in every single nation, okay? And it's almost like a pride thing. We're representing every nation in the world. We don't want to do that. What we're looking for is we're looking for missionaries who are seeking to do Matthew 28, okay? And if they're seeking to do that, and that's lived out in their life, uh, those are the kind of people that we seek to support, people that are diligently pursuing the work of God. Now, Europe is a very difficult place, and you're going to see some exciting things about what God's doing in Europe and why we have strategically uh, three missionaries right there. And uh, we'll go through all of that right now, okay? So this is one family. They're in Uganda, Africa, the Rice Singers. And we're going to have the privilege, your church, you guys get to meet them uh, in September. This is one of the first missionaries that our church took on um, about a few months after we arrived. We took them on as missionaries. And the Rice Singers, uh, they had the little daughter there. 
Abby, I believe her name is, and she was uh, like a baby when they came and visited us a few years ago. So they've been on the field for several years. They're finishing language school, and they've been a part of a ministry that already built a Bible college, and he's been teaching in the Bible college, okay? So he did that right before they came stateside, and they just came stateside, and they're coming by reporting to the churches. And that's, you see in the book of Acts, the churches, they did that. The missionaries would come back, Paul would come back and report to the churches. So the Reisinger family serving God in Uganda, Africa. And we thank God for this precious family and uh, for how they are serving God. And we've seen pictures of Miss Lindsay. And by the way, if you're on, Twi on uh, uh, Instagram, she has an Instagram account where you can see and, uh, what she's doing, little live updates. And by the way, that family, every month, they send us photos of their ministry, always on the back of their prayer letter on the wall back there. So they do an excellent job with that. They are really in with the locals. They're ministering to a lot of Muslims, and they're learning the language and learning the culture. And it's cool to see their children playing. And they were the last prayer letter. Their kids were eating on the ground. Ugandan style, just like the Ugandans. So they're matching right in with the locals. And I appreciate this family serving God and their spirit of, of serving Christ. Uh, really a humble spirit. And I remember when he came, Brother Reisinger told me, Brother Joe, he said, I know one thing for sure. God has not called me to be a stateside pastor. Okay? That's what he said, I know God wants me to be a missionary. And uh, he, he loves missions. So we also just took this family on a few months ago, Joshua and Bethany Ferran. And the Ferrans are on their way to Ireland. They're planning to arrive on the mission field, and we call it the field because Jesus said the field is wide into harvest. And so we go harvest the, the hay, we go harvest the crops here. They're on the mission field serving God, the Ferran family, and uh, Joshua and Bethany, they're finishing up raising their support. Then they've been traveling just a few more churches to go to, and they're heading in August, Lord willing. That prayer request that they have is that in August they might be able to go to the field. And by the way, all these letters are in the back of what their ministry is, is what's happening in their ministry. They have their next child due. Uh, in just a few weeks. And uh, by the way, that's the most recent picture they sent me. I know it doesn't look like she's expecting, but she is, okay? And their baby's due in just a few weeks. And so that was their last prayer letter sharing about how their um, baby's due in just a few weeks. The Hill family. Now, this family's been serving God in, in Ireland for a long time. They've been there for a number of years. This family, uh, he is from Ireland. His wife is from the States. And uh, so they started a church over there in Ireland and they've seen many souls saved and baptized and discipled. And I appreciate his spirit. If you've been, like, in the north right up here, it's, it's a similar to your, serving over in Europe. Sometimes it's hard to see people saved and baptized. You go to church where maybe people aren't saved and baptized for a long time. And I remember one of the first phone calls I had to Brother Hill. And by the way, I've never met this family, but I feel like I know them because we've communicated much. And Brother Hill, um, I called him up on the phone and said, How are you doing, brother? And he said, I'm just burdened. I haven't seen anybody saved in a long time. Haven't seen anybody baptized. And there were some things that God showed them that needed to be dealt with in the church. And when they dealt with that sin that was in the church, people started getting saved and baptized and discipled. And by the way, church, that's what happens when you deal with things biblically. Uh, people start getting saved, baptized, and discipled. And they've seen that happen in their church. And one of their sons is at Pensacola training for the ministry. I believe he just switched to ambassador to continue. They're in need of a permanent church building. So one prayer request we have for them is that God might allow them to purchase the building. Obviously, with the prices of buildings going up, their landowner 
went back on the offer that he gave them. They're renting a place, and he went back on the offer, and he's p potentially going to kick them out of the church building they're serving in. So it's uh, something we can pray for them about in the Hill family, and we thank God for them, and thank you for being a part of this family's ministry in Ireland. So they're in another part of Ireland, and by the way, Ireland needs a lot of gospel-preaching churches. When the virus happened, they would only let people travel five kilometers from their building. So the importance of a local church. How many of you drove more than five kilometers to come here today? Most of you, okay? Most of you drove more than five kilometers, and uh, that's like three miles. So they were serving in that local area. They were not allowed. The police would not allow them to go out of that local area. So you see the importance of local churches as these churches are being established. We have another missionary right here, the Laodimas. Now, they're in Togo, West Africa, and they have started many churches, and I believe it's eight or nine churches, and you'll see that in their prayer letter in the back. They also run an orphanage, the Redeemer House. Every year for Vacation Bible School, we raise money to give to their orphanage. And so that's their family. Their two older sons are training for the ministry. They're back stateside in Bible College or in Canada in Bible College. So they're making disciples. They're training up laborers. And that's what the gospel ministry is all about. So we thank God for the Laodema family and what God's doing in their, uh, in their lives and through them. By the way, I've never met this family but I feel like we have in many ways because uh, and they have not really come to the States either. They just stay right there in Togo, West Africa and serve God there. We have Travis and Terry Snowed. And I met Travis when I was uh, about a, a teenager. He was preaching at the summit in, in Tennessee, Gatlinburg, Tennessee. That's when I first met him before he really went off to do all the mission work with his wife and family before his kids were even born. And so I was, I was a young kid when I met him. But they have gone over there. They've started two churches, and they're in the process of study, starting a third church. And they're returning to the States this fall to direct the mission board that he was sent out under. The mission board director had to resign, so he's coming back. Uh, and he is a great manager. You know the Bible speaks of those who can manage talents. Brother Snowd is a great manager, and they've asked him to come back and direct the missions board. And so uh, it may seem like it's a bad decision. They went, Man, they started churches. They're doing a great job. I believe stateside, as soon as he comes back, they're going to do more of a job of helping get more missionaries to the field. And as a church, of course, we'll make a decision about... Um, what we do in continuation, but we do plan to continue their support for a while as they continue and they move back here and continue the process of sending more laborers into the field. And he's doing an excellent job mentoring men for the master. Um, now the Koak family, they're in Korea, South Korea to be correct, and they started a church there. They go and teach ESL classes, and Korea is a very, very difficult country to serve in, a uh, very difficult place. They were very tight with their virus restrictions. But they're discipling new leaders, and they're working, they're working with a, a small group of people. And this is one of the, one of the uh, uh, smaller churches that we support, one of the smaller ministries. But this, this missionary, if they weren't there, the church wouldn't be there. And so when you think of, you know, people to pray for, if you ever struggle, man, the church is so small or whatever, at a small church, they're struggling a lot with that. And pray God encourages them as they continue to train up new leaders. And I believe that's their passion, their vision. Their oldest daughter is off here in Bible College in the States right now. We had the Shields, which you guys just met last week. Fantastic family on their way to Aruba. And, uh, I mean, in Aruba serving, and they're doing a great job starting a church. Lord willing, they're going to start a second church when they return. So we're praying about that they'll be able to get that building and that God will continue to guide and direct their ministry. They're going to travel 15,000 miles, by the way, in the next seven weeks before they return to the field. Um, so pray for them for road safety as they're traveling. Now, the Harmons family, hey, that, that picture looks familiar. Do you guys recognize that building? That's our church. In 2019, they came to our missions conference and the Harmon family. And that, I went on their, web, their Facebook and website and looked for a photo more recent of them. And that was about one of the most recent ones of their family I could find. And so of all of them together. So Brother Harmon 
and is your wife. They went over there to Tanzania. They started a church. They, um, the missionary they were working with only worked with rich people. And so they really had a burden to work with poor people. And they found out about a building that was open, that was owned by local Baptists. And it was, it was uh, available, but nobody was meeting in it. And so they started meeting there. And now they pay the power bill in that church and take care of that church. And so they started a church. And he works with a translator uh, doing that. They're in language school still, and so they're learning the language, they're discipling people. They also started a drug rehab ministry, and you all remember I asked that we pray for them. He was just going through a depressing time uh, ministering to drug addicts. They dealt with, um, they, were, they were sued this year, they dealt with a litigation issue, and they're currently stateside, and, and I also encouraged them when I spoke with them on the phone, because they've gone through a, a deep season of ministry, really spending and being spent. I encourage them to take time as a family. They've been back for a few months as a family. They've got encouragement and help, and now they're out reporting to churches. And sometimes you just need a little bit of time when you've spent yourself too much to pull aside, and they've done that. And so they're going to, Lord willing, come to visit us this fall and share what God's doing, and they're going back to the field, Lord willing, uh, in November to go back and continue the work where they have started. And so we want to pray for that family. God would help them to stay encouraged. You ever struggle with discouragement? Everybody does. And uh, they've dealt with a lot of that as they're serving in a difficult area in Tanzania. A lot of, a lot of drugs in that area. Adam and Esther Frydenstein had done a fantastic job serving in El Salvador. And we took this family on. Um, they went to El Salvador, and the last missionary that was there lived in the, in the big city where they had all the conveniences, and then they would drive an hour to come to church and then go back to the city, live in the big city. The Frydensteins went to live among the people, and they're living among the poor. And I've been there, and I've, I served with them for over a month, uh, just helping them in their ministry. And the Frydenstein family is a, is a stellar family. Uh, they have done a fantastic job. So obviously, if you live in the town with your people, you've got way more options to disciple and mentor them. And they've done a fantastic job doing that. They've uh, taken over a church that was very small, restarted the work. They have huge, uh, uh, huge uh, group of, of people that are, they're able to minister to. They've started a Bible college. Uh, they do a seminary and train people. By the way, that's a huge load of responsibility. They've taken upon themselves. And... Um, the ministry there is not able to support them because of the poverty of the people. And what that ministry does is it supports itself and then supports all the Christian school workers. They revitalized the Christian school, so they, they pay all those Christian school workers. And then they also uh, send out missionaries. They started a mission board, and they're sending out missionaries out of their church and around the world, around Central America. And so that's a lot of discipline that they've, they've exuded. And they've been on the field for 10 years. And we thank God for what God's doing in their life. And uh, like, like I was saying, even though the church has grown in terms of attendance because of the poverty of the people those funds are really being re-put re back into the local people and they're, they're on missions dollars because really there's no in order to live there and they're giving and they're contributing to that ministry in El Salvador so you're having a part of their ministry and they, um, they have a precious family training those sons up on the missions field then we have Daniel and Rachel Bill we took them on about a year and a half ago and Daniel and Rachel are serving in Honduras they just arrived on the field as you can see, they just had a baby not too long ago. Uh, the baby's about 10 months old, I believe. They started language school. She's learning Spanish. She already knows it quite fluently. They're adjusting to the new culture, but they're restarting a church. They came to a place where the pastor had to leave for moral issues, and they are restarting that church where that missionary left off. And so we want to pray for this family that God would help them as they're restarting the church. And that's exciting, I believe, restarting the church. And it's what we're doing right here. And it's exciting uh, doing the work of the gospel ministry. So when you're helping with missions program, when you contribute, you're contributing to these families and what God is doing around the world. And thank you, church family, for your support and your love 
for these people around the world and what God's doing around the world. And we want to, Lord willing, in the, in the years to come, be able to increase our involvement around the world and what God's doing. Because Jesus said, go ye into all the world. And we also, I pray some of these young men will get called to the mission field to serve God around the world. And that would be sure exciting. Wouldn't you love to have some of these men go to the mission field and all God's people said? Amen. That was a little weak. Y'all got to be with us more on that, okay? Wouldn't you love for some of these young men to go to the mission field and all God's people said? Amen. Amen. I believe the Lord is the Lord of the harvest and he's calling for laborers to labor in the fields. Last week, we looked at Jesus as being the only way and because he's the only way, we need his plan for the church. Matthew 28, I tell you, we enjoy seeing what God's doing around the world and I want to take a minute just to share with you that this morning so you would understand what God's doing around the world. All power, Jesus says, this was read a moment ago, is given unto me in heaven and in earth. The one who has the power to save is not the preacher, not the deacon, not the church worker, not even the soul winner. It's Jesus Christ. Jesus saves. We must recognize that he is the only one who can convert the lost, and we must rely upon his power. But I believe if we're walking in obedience to him, we'll see his power exude in our church. All power, Jesus says, is given unto me. Don't we like to say, Jesus is with me. I know he's with me. I have his presence in my life. Well, if his presence is in my life, that means all his power is available. All his power. But we don't always access the power, do we, right? Uh, because things pull. Our flesh pulls. But Jesus has a plan for his church, and it is for growth. In that arrow right there on the screen, you see people represented there. And Jesus' plan is to reach people. Ministry is people. With Christ's commissioning of his disciples, he was entrusting them with the responsibility. And this responsibility would be to lead the establishment of the New Testament church. Think about what Peter had to go up to. Wasn't Peter kind of one of those guys that kind of put his foot in his mouth all the time, embarrassed himself? But yet God used him, and on the day of Pentecost... Peter saw thousands of people trust Christ because of the gospel preaching. It wasn't Peter, my friend. It was Jesus Christ and his power. And when you see people get saved here at this church, it's because of Jesus Christ and his power. I heard the story told of this one man who, um, he was a professor, and he thought, uh, he thought that he had done quite well in preaching. And so he stood at the door greeting people as they left the sanctuary. And the remarks about his preaching were complimentary until this one old man came by. He said, you preached too long. Dr. Bass wasn't phased by, by the remark, but another negative comment came from the same little man. You didn't preach loud enough. He thought it was strange the man had come by for a second time. But then the man came through the line the third time and said, you used too many big words. This called for some explanation. So Dr. Bass said, um, you see that little man over there? To one of the deacons, he asked him, he said, who is he? Oh, the man said, oh, don't pay attention to him. He just goes around repeating everything he hears. I tell you, the world needs to hear that Jesus saves, and they need to hear it over and over and over again. The church today, more than ever, needs to return to the biblical purpose for which we were created. And what is a healthy church? Is a healthy church just a church that has programs? I would say no, because we've all been a part of a church that may have programs, but may be lacking health. What is health? Uh, Mark Dever 
does a wonderful job laying out the marks of a healthy church. And it's one of the books that our interns reading, well, at least here this summer. And he shares how there's this ever-increasing desire to sometimes find a new Bible teacher, find a new book that will magically solve our problems, uh, this thirst for a, of a journey to find new things. And he asks the question, what is the ideal church like? Like People say maybe uh, the ideal church is a place with a certain type of music, a certain style of preaching. But most of us uh, do have some expectations of what the church is to be like. Maybe you're trying to look, at a church, look for a church where people are in the same life place as you are. Okay, where they're in the same stage of life. So you can connect with them. They understand what you're going through because they're going through the same. You think our missionaries get to make those kind of choices when they go to the mission field? We're going to go start a church in this town. Lord, we pray that all the people that come might have kids the same age as ours so they can play together. Really? No. Uh, we pray that they might be the exact same age as us. So you know, No. Okay. Wrong reasons. And those who are going and seeking to lead others to Christ must have a godly goal. And those who are seeking to establish a local church must have a godly goal. Uh, we are looking for a place that's alive to the Spirit, one that where God guides. What are you looking for? A place that's welcoming, a place that's passionate, a place that's authentic, a place that's big, a place that's intimate, trendy, a place that's exciting. What should a church be? Um, we are responsible for what our church becomes. And as a, as a church moving forward, we're going to do more ministries. And one of those ministries will be a, a greeting team that's going to rotate and help greet. And even this last month, you guys have done wonderful with the establishment of the cleaning team. And thank you so much for all of you dear folks cleaning the church. What a blessing you are helping, uh, helping clean the local church and making it presentable, God's house presentable and ready. And so there's different ministries that we each can be involved in. There's outreach. There's fellowship. When you walk into church, you want somebody to greet you. And we all can do a fantastic job with this. You all are doing a great job. Don't forget to do it. Before you go to talk to your friend today, look for somebody else that might need to be encouraged and say hi to them and, and take a moment to be a friend. Church ought to be a fellowship of believers that is seeking to grow together around the plan of God. Jesus has a plan for his church. We want him to increase. John 3, verse 30, he must increase, I must decrease, John said. And God wants us to follow this plan. It reveals that we may, sometimes if the Holy Spirit can be grieved, sometimes the Holy Spirit is pleased. And ultimately we want to please him in this place. When God's people forget the purpose of the church, they start to do their own will instead of God's will. And we, we can each easily be tempted to do that. Society and culture don't need to set our schedule and our plans. We must seek the gospel and furthering the gospel ministry. And uh, this summer, what are we trying to do? We're trying to help the gospel go forward in this place. In everything that we're doing, help people be established so we might be better able to equip to serve the world, uh, reaching the world for Christ. Have you ever wondered what the purpose of the church is? The Bible says Jesus died for the church. If he took a 33-year detour from heaven... To die for the church, it must be very important to the heart of God. Ephesians 5, 25 tells us that, that he came for the church. He is the head of the church. If we would be honest today, the church has the potential to become many things. But it also has the potential to be a place where the power of God is displayed. If you would like our church to be a place where the power of God is displayed, would you say amen? amen. That's what I want in this place. We want him to increase. We want us to decrease. We want God to go forward. The focus of the church must be Jesus Christ. He must be kept front and center in the church. Sometimes a church can become a mere educational facility. And, uh, right, we say we want to just we come and learn. 
But my friend, it's not just learning. It's we must grow. In our church, we have a goal that we might each fulfill our purpose and grow. Not be a place where we just come and just enjoy, but a place where we grow and move forward in the potential which God has called us. And by the way, each person has a different level of potential. But as Dr. Farrell, one of my mentors, often said, every person has potential. And you each have more potential than you're currently using. I have more potential than I'm currently using. And that involves us being involved in the Great Commission in a way that God would direct us to be involved. And so the center of the church is Jesus Christ. He must be kept in focus. There's no higher purpose, no higher plan than being a devoted disciple of Christ. One who's bringing others to the knowledge of the truth. And so when we take everything in this church and we boil it down, our purpose, the plan ought to be very simple. And this morning, I want you to see a few thoughts that will help guide our mind in the plan of the church. First, the plan that God has for our church, that Jesus gave for the church, is to proclaim. Look in verse 19. Go ye therefore, and, what does he say? Teach all nations to proclaim, to herald. I tell you, there's some people that are very, very bent on proclaiming things to us right now, right? There's organizations that are established and funded to program our minds today, are there not? They're bent on one goal. They want us to receive information at a certain time so that it will adjust our minds so that we might think a certain way. Go ye therefore. Go ye therefore. He wants us to go, to go and proclaim. We proclaim because there's evidence that demands a verdict. The purpose and plan of God is that every disciple of Christ would go and tell. The great goal that I have for each one of us, for myself, is that I might tell somebody else about Christ. That somebody else might be one to Christ before Jesus comes. That one more person, we might lead them to Jesus Christ to proclaim. We must proclaim the gospel truth. We have a story to tell to the nations. They need to hear it. And the, the reason we're here is because Christ died for us and someone proclaimed that truth to us. And we've received it. And if you've not received it yet, maybe you've heard the truth, but you've not received it. Today you need to receive it, accept it, and believe it. We must never lose sight that Jesus is the head of the church. And he must have preeminence. Colossians 1.18 says he must have preeminence in all things. In all things he must be preeminent. We lose our purpose when we allow something to come between us and our responsibility that we have to proclaim Christ. Look, there's a lot of good things that we can do. We can consume our life with humanitarian aid, but yet not reach souls for Jesus Christ. The church is to be the powerhouse to proclaim the gospel to the world, not just an information facility. Look, we have Bible colleges for good reason, to train and mentor men. But the purpose of Bible college and men and women for the gospel ministry, but the purpose of Bible college is not just to pack people's heads with information. Sometimes it does that. The purpose is that it might mentor and train for the ministry. And as we serve together this summer, and David's serving together with us this summer, it's all about, I told David, said, man, we're just mentoring, growing together. I want you to leave this summer stronger than you came in. In terms of being able to help and do the work of the ministry in a greater way, be more equipped, and have some time of mentorship in the ministry. For every young man who's gone through discipleship, and every man who's gone through discipleship, the goal has been that we might be stronger to go and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want the church to go forward. Look, think about it this way. Before we get looking at ourselves, we say, man, you know, I'm looking for this in a church, that in a church. 
Ask yourself this honest question. If everybody else was out of the building and I had this church building and myself, would I be able to complete this verse? Okay? We each have a responsibility to complete this verse. We each one day will give an account to God for how we proclaimed the gospel. And I believe fear holds us back from proclaiming the gospel. It's easy to be afraid, but yet God wants us to not be afraid. So first, we need to proclaim the gospel. Secondly, God wants us to, here's a big word for you, to proselytize. Afterwards, when you go out, you can say, you know what, Pastor Dan, you used too many big words today. I'll give you one right there, okay? But to proselytize, you say, what does to proselytize mean? It means to, to convert or to attempt to convert someone from one belief or opinion to the other. To proselytize. Jesus says to teach all nations. And he says to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. This is speaking of a conversion, a gospel conversion. When somebody is converted, they come from darkness to light, from the power of who? Satan unto God. And we want to see people saved, baptized, and discipled. So to proselytize is to cause people to be in a place where they have turned from their own way to following Jesus Christ. By the way, that does not mean that we try to make them be a cookie cutter of who we are. I don't want you to be like me. I have my personality defects. I have my faults, okay? I want you to be like Jesus, and that's the goal. We should each try to make people, help people become like Jesus. That is to proselytize. And by the way, a lot of other religions are trying to do that. A lot of other groups are trying to do that. But by the way, Christianity is not a religion. Our Baptist church is not a religion. It is about a relationship with Jesus Christ. It is about the gospel of Christ. Other people seek to pursue religion. We seek to pursue a relationship with Jesus Christ and follow him and follow his word. And when we do that, people will become proselytized. They'll become converted. And that's part of the discipleship role. By the way, um, if somebody comes, you say, well, I want somebody to get saved. My friend gets saved and they get converted. My friend, it's because Jesus is the only way, as we saw last week. So we're seeking to bring somebody to Christ. Simply seeking to bring them to Calvary. Simply seeking to bring them from the power of Satan unto God. Matthew 4.19, Jesus said unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. You know, it's very easy to assign our job to somebody else. We might say, you know what, it's so great. Our church has uh, these, these missionaries going around the world serving God, and it's just fantastic. They're going and doing the gospel work, so you know what? I'll just contribute to them, and they can do the work of leading people to Christ, and I personally don't feel comfortable doing it. Didn't Jesus die for you, and didn't he die for your neighbor? Didn't he die for your loved ones? And you say, you know what, I don't feel comfortable praying with somebody. That's okay. But my friend, we can all grow in are leading others to Christ, whether that be just pointing them towards the Word of God, whether that be just challenging them, hey, why don't you go read your Bible, whether that be just handing them a tract, hey, I encourage you, I'll get you a Bible so you can read it. Most of us know at least 50 people that are lost and need Jesus Christ, and which one of those could we prioritize on to bring them to Jesus Christ, to bring them to faith in Christ? You know, while Gandhi was practicing, he was a practicing Hindu, Christianity intrigued him. He was reading the Gospels and he was so impressed by Jesus, the Jesus whom the Christians worshipped. He wanted to know more of this person, the Christ, the Messiah. So he decided to visit a church.
But as he walked in the church, he was stopped by the ushers, and they told him he was not welcome, nor would he be permitted to attend that particular church, as it was for only high-caste Indians. And he was not high-caste. Because of the rejection, he turned his back on Christianity. And he said the following phrase, I would have been a Christian if it were not for Christians. Sad, but true. I wonder how many could become like Christ. How many would be converted if we would follow Jesus like we should? Lord, help us to do it. He said, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. So you say, what's the goal of our church? We're seeking to become like Christ, okay? The goal in everything we do, discipleship, mentorship, uh, financial peace, um, our, our different events, our hikes, our outreach, our vacation Bible school, everything we do, we're seeking to lead other people to Christ, to follow Christ. The purpose hasn't changed. Sometimes people have changed. And sometimes we lose our purpose in following God's plan. So the purpose of the church is to go and seek to win the lost to Christ. And that involves discipleship. And it's a very rare thing to attend a church where anybody's been discipled in the last 10 years. It is a very rare thing to attend a church where anybody, one person, has been discipled in the last 10 years. It's very rare in the Northeast to attend a church where people are being baptized. It's a rare thing. Um, but we want to be in a place where we're seeing more, and I believe God wants us to see this more and more as the day approaches. I believe Jesus wants people to be saved. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thirdly, the plan of God is that we might preach. Look in verse 20 of our text. He says, teaching them to, look at the next word, Observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. He says, teaching them to observe. The purpose of the church is to also proclaim, for faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, verse 17 says. So we ought to teach others to observe the word of God. This involves, yes, our weekly teaching and our preaching from the word of God, but it involves more than that, discipleship and mentorship and small groups as we seek to do the will of, the will of God and the work of the ministry, teaching them to observe all things. You know how many commands Jesus gave? He gave 49 specific commands. And there's a gentleman who did a fantastic job organizing those commands. His name is Bill Gothard. He did a great job studying that out. He did a great job creating several books. And uh, look, I don't endorse everything he does. And he, he had a, uh, some mistakes he made in his life that were not right and some things that he got in legal trouble for that he should not have done. But I will tell you that Bill Gothard did a great job studying out these commands of Christ. And he has a nice little pocket, pocket guide written on the 49 commands of Christ. And by the way, you can learn from anybody, right? You can learn from anybody. And he, has a great, he did a great job doing that. But Jesus' commands were, here's a few of them. Repent, follow me, rejoice, let your light shine, keep your word, lay up treasure in heaven, ask, seek, knock, choose the narrow way. And all the other 49 commands. So the commands of Christ are what we seek to proclaim in our church. Some churches try to just give people more information. We study the Bible and get more and more information. We don't want to just get more information. We want to follow and be obedient to the commands of Christ. And when we are obedient to the commands of Christ, we get in the word of God, we grow, and we study to show ourselves approved unto God as we ought to. I believe the devil wants to destroy the church, but Jesus wants to build the church. And we want to seek to move forward by the grace of God, seeking to win souls to Christ right here in this place. And so you say, how can we pray for our church? How can we help in our church move forward to preaching the gospel, moving forward, winning souls to Christ? We want to ask God to help us to follow his plan. 
We want to go about. We want to go about proclaiming the gospel. Take some tracks on your way out today. Give somebody an invitation to the church. We want to go about with a goal of seeking to then win them to Christ. And by the way, the goal of mentoring and training up men, we want to continue to mentor and train up men. And by the way, if the men get trained and the men get mentored and the men walk with God, you know who they lead? They lead their wife. Oftentimes in the home, the wife's the spiritual leader, not the man, because the man doesn't walk with God. And so the man, we want to teach the men to walk with God, and that's the purpose we're seeking to do. And then we move forward, proselytizing, and then we seek to preach the gospel and preach the whole counsel of God that we might follow Jesus. He says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And he says, lo, I'm with you always. If he's with us, then his power's with us. Amen? And we need the power of God in this day. And let's be honest with God. Are we living by his plan? Are we proclaiming, proselytizing, and faithfully teaching and preaching others about Jesus Christ? We do that in our home, parents. Church is to be the preaching point where the gospel is given and lives are changed. And we determine the far effects of the, the gospel ministry by our attendance to the word of God. This ought to be a discipleship place. Amen? This ought to be a place uh, where we get to follow Jesus. There was a day not too long ago where the Bible was available only in Latin and where it was changed to the podium of those Catholic churches. And if you wanted to read it, you had to go into those churches and you had to read it in Latin. And it was not in the, the language of the local people. We're in a day where we have the Bible readily available to us. And often we say, man, it's so hard to read. It's so hard to understand. As with anything, by faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We learn and we adapt and we understand it more as we study it more. How often are our Bibles studied and read? We're going to give account to God for how we lived out His plan for the church, how we sought to take the Great Commission to the world. And as our church moves forward this year, we want to move forward taking the gospel. We want our church to be established. And that's, by the way, a family of faith grows up in a house of faith. And it's a great place to grow together in the faith, in the Word of God. Let's stand together for prayer. And we'll, we'll close the service this morning with our heads bowed and eyes closed. And as we stand... We have heard a familiar passage, but let's just be honest, it's very hard to live it, isn't it? It's hard to live it out. Maybe this morning you just say, you know what, Lord, I want you to help me. Lord, would you help me? Would you help me with my fear? Fear not was one of the commands of Jesus. Lord, would you help me, whatever's holding me back, that I might trust you, that I might believe you, that I might fulfill part of your great commission and seeking to win others to Christ, that I may be, might be on my heart wherever I go. Pray that way this morning. Lord, help me wherever I go this week to be conscious of souls, soul conscious, conscious of the people around me that need Jesus Christ. As we're standing here with our heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you just say, you know what, Pastor Dan, pray for me. Pastor Dan, pray for me. God's speaking to me about my need, and I desire to fulfill the Great Commission in a greater way. In some area, God's speaking to me about this, and I want to fulfill the Great Commission in a greater way. Would you pray for me? Would you slip your hand up? That's you. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. I want to fulfill the Great Commission in a greater way. Maybe you're here this morning and you just say, you know what, Pastor Dan, God spoke to me, and you know what, I'm not even sure if I'm saved, and I haven't repented, put my faith in Christ. Jesus' first command was repent, and I haven't done that, but I want to do it. Would you pray for me? Look, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. But if there's anyone like that, pray for me. I need to be saved. I've not yet put my faith in Christ. Would you slip your hand right up to the God that knows and, he, and sees? I need to be saved. I need to be saved like that this morning. Let's take a moment and come forward and do business with the Lord. Father, we pray that you would help us right now to honor you and please you in everything that we do and solidify these decisions in our hearts that we might proclaim the great commission 
to the world that needs the gospel, the world that's dying without Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And their heads bowed. You can slip out of your seat right there where you're at. Take a moment. Come forward and pray. Seek God. Would you do that? Would you slip out where you're at as the piano plays and everyone's head, head is bowed? Would you just come and pray? And Lord, help me. Lord, help me to win souls. Lord, help me. My loved ones need to be saved. Lord, help me. I want to do your work. Would you come forward and pray and seek the Lord this morning?